From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, welcoming back to the Public Affairs Podcast. She is the executive director of Women's Storybook Project. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Ms. Jill Gonzalez, how are you? I am well. Thank you so much for having me today. I can't believe it's already been uh, a year since you guys were uh, last on, which was last April. And um, just getting everyone familiar with Women's Storybook Project. And uh, and since then, I don't know if you've heard, but, you know, there's been a lot of transplants uh, (laughs) moving to the great state of Texas, particularly Houston and Austin and Dallas. Um, yes. And so we have to get these new folks that have moved from other states very familiar with Women's Storybook Project and what it is that you all do. I think it's uh, absolutely incredible. So uh, just please tell us um, tell us the story. No pun intended. Like what was the inspiration <laughs> behind Women's Storybook Project? Well, our founder, Judith Dolnick, is a very inspirational woman and she was living in Texas, but she had heard about a project in Illinois called Aunt Mary's Storybook. And it gave women a chance who were incarcerated to read to their children. And Judith just thought this was um, the best idea she had ever heard. She'd lost her mother very young and knows what it's like to, to need your mother's voice. So she, you know, looked around Texas and said, do we have this program here? And we didn't. And so she got in touch with the women's prisons, a warden and a social worker, and started working on a model for Texas. And um, 19 years ago, she started at the Mountain View unit, and she had five um, volunteers and 25 books and some little mini tape recorders. And they went in and recorded mom read to each of her children. And after they del- uh, the books were delivered, the first month, everyone knew what a great success it would be because the gift of your mother's voice and hearing a good story just really can change everything. So we've, we started back in 2003, and we've been going ever since. And just this year, we have gotten to all 12 women's prisons. And we are a 501c3 now, so we're an official nonprofit and um, have a couple staff members, but mostly are run by volunteers. Mm -hmm. How has it been? I mean, first of all, congratulations that you all are in all 12 of the women's prisons. Thank Um, you. and, and, And that's in the entire state, yes? There are 12 women's prisons in the state. There are two near Houston in Dayton, and the other 10 are... In, there's some in Gatesville, and then they're scattered around Central Texas. Mm. Well, congratulations on that, that because that's that's huge. That's huge, I, and I'm really, really, and please excuse me for this. I I am really surprised that uh, these prison facilities, be it ran by the government, by the state, or a private owned, private ran prison. Mm-hmm. Um, is open to the women's 
storybook project. And I say that because the way that the system is set up and designed for the destruction of the family unit. Um, so I, I, I really am surprised that they were open to this. Was the process of getting this this project into the women's prisons to getting, you know, the, the, the powers that be, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. to see, was it, was it a difficult task? Did you, did you have some, some pushback or some uh, uncertainty or was there hesitation about letting this into the women's prisons? I believe there was, I wasn't around back then, but what I've, what I know of our relationships with TDCJ is that we are we've established trust we're a group of volunteers who says we're going to do something we show up we do it and we do it well and one of the things that is super important about participating with women's storybook project is women have to have 60 days good behavior before they can be admitted Mm. so once that it's established, and they also can't have any CPS cases with their children, and they um, the children are between 0 and 14. If they meet all those qualifiers and come into the program, once they find out how how much it means, it, it changes their vision for who they can be when they exit prison. So from the administrator side, women are actively trying to do better and the behavior on the unit improves. So that's one of the incentives for the prison administration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is good to know. Um, I just think that this whole thing is incredible. I'm thinking about um, the process of it all. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, do the moms, they, they get to choose uh, the books, and then back in the day, what they showed up with a uh, cassette recorder, and the uh-huh. mom read the story, and then they got the cassette to the kid. Um, I'm imagining, or to the child. Excuse me. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So we do. The program is essentially the same as when we started. Um, our objective is still to connect mom with her child through the power of of the joy and the power of literature. So we have what is what most people will recognize as a book fair set up. We'll bring in, we have a class of about 20 to 22 mothers, and we'll come in and do an opening circle or an introduction and explain that they will get to choose a book for each child, each of their children, each month for four months. And then we have the books set out by age level, and moms can pick the titles, for example, if she's got a two-year-old and a seven-year-old, she might pick um, Good Night Moon and um, The Magic Treehouse. And if she doesn't know the books, so a lot of mothers that are incarcerated haven't read to their children or were never read to themselves. Mm. So they might not know the books. But many of our volunteers are um, former teachers or parents who have read the books. And so they're very helpful and helping mom choose. I like that. And mm-hmm. no, you asked ahead. about. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. You were going to con- continue. You asked about the technology, and that's something that has changed drastically over the years. I'm sure. So we did go from tape recorders to CDs, 
And there was pushback when we wanted to burn a CD for mom because we had to bring laptops onto the unit. And that was not allowed. So we worked diligently to make sure that we didn't have the internet on while we were on, on the unit. Um, and then for years, for a couple of years, we burned CDs for mom. And now we've gone simply to digital recordings. So we have small Sony digital recorders and we record mom. And then we bring the recordings back to our office and use a piece of software to turn to, to save those files and send, send the child a link to their, to their story. Wow. That's amazing. Um, and, and I'm sure that it's very comforting uh, for the child. Yeah. I can only imagine uh, a child who is missing their mother um, and to hear her voice in a calm and pleasant state reading them a, a bedtime story or just reading them a book, period. Um, I can only imagine what that feels like. You know, I, I grew up, my mom read to me growing up, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it made me a reader and I, I am an avid reader. So reading is just so important that we do that uh, to and with our children. And so, um, man, you guys were, you guys were on it, on it, even back when it wasn't popular. Right. It's so important. And um, what moms don't realize sometimes is that that recording can be a lifeline for their child because mom records it once, (laughs) but their child can listen to it 150 times or more. And so it's a very cherished possession and a calming a, a tool to help calm kids down and it actually makes a difference for family members as well not just the child it got sent to because if you had your daughter's children and were taking care of them while she was away she may have damaged that relationship pretty badly and when you hear her voice reading to her children and know that she's working hard to do better that's really important. Yes. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We are talking to the executive director of Women's Storybook Project, Jill Gonzalez. Uh, incredible, incredible organization. And um, you all have your annual fundraiser uh, that will be in person this year, but also uh, online coming up um, next week i understand um we do so yeah tell us tell us about it so for the last two years we've met virtually for our luncheon which was a real change but it turned out very well and so this year we do have the opportunity to come back live on april 28th and we'll be over here in austin at the austin country club And we decided to keep the virtual luncheon because we have folks around the state and around the country who are interested in helping us out and learning more about what we do. And so we'll hold the virtual luncheon on May 5th, one week later, at noon. And the virtual luncheon is awesome because it's a half an hour. You can take a half an hour at work and watch while you have your lunch, or you can host a table and have friends over to your home and watch on YouTube Live. There's a lot of ways to participate, 
and especially I will reach out to the Houston listeners. Um, we have two new fantastic team leaders for our units in Dayton, but we need volunteers. So I would love for you to come to the luncheon and listen and learn, uh, find out more about what we do, and then give us a call or sign up on our website to be a volunteer. It's a it's a small commitment. We don't ask volunteers to come every month. Um, but please, please find out more. And what's the website? It is www.storybookproject.org. Storybookproject.org. Log on to the website, get all of the information. Um, how was it, You because know, it has been two years, and mm-hmm. um, you guys have been around since you said in 2003. So when the pandemic hit, um, did that stop? kind of stop the program or did it just slow it down or how did you guys maneuver through uh, coronavirus? Thank you for asking. Well, we absolutely could not go to prison because the governor closed down visitation for prisons. And we really, we, we thought about it and it offered us a chance to be very creative. And um, we decided that we didn't want to lose touch with our, with our moms in the class. And so we wrote to them. And at first, we just wrote to the women who were currently in class. And then we wrote to our alumni. And then we, as a, our program committee and our staff decided, well, why couldn't we just do our regular program like this? So we talked to the school district within the community and decided to run our program, our four-month program, by mail. Okay. And we know mom can't read aloud because we don't have the recorders there. But we had mom do a bonding activity that would be special to their child and include that. And when they wrote back to us, they would include a bonding activity and then a book request for each one of their children. And we would send that on to the child and encourage them to read over the phone or read over video call. Um, And that happened. It was so exciting to hear mom say, you know, my daughter read to me and that's never happened before, or or we loved the invisible string, and we read it over a video call, and it made such a difference. And we've actually brought that back to our regular program now that we're back, and each mom who completes the four-month cycle of the in-person program can then graduate and do four months via the mail. Oh, nice. That's a nice, nice incentive there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, um, any success story, any recent success stories or something that's close to your heart that uh, you would like to share? I'm I'm sure that you've got a plethora of them. I have. I do. I have plenty. And we had um, team leaders go out and do the program last weekend. Mm -hmm. And they came back and one of the team leaders emailed me that their children had. The mom was saying during the discussion time that their child had gotten the books and was so excited when they finished the book that they said, Daddy, when's the next one coming? And they wanted to know when they would get their next book. And that's, that's you know, mom-child book club for the next four months. And they got so excited when they saw that yellow envelope and they knew it was for them. And they really missed their mom and it made such a big difference. And mom knew. I love that they told her and said, you made a difference. Indeed. Um, 
I know that you said that um, everyone there that is a volunteer. How are you all looking with volunteers? Do you, um, what can the city of Houston do to help women's storybook projects continue to be the success that it is? Thank you so much for asking. Um, like I said, we've got two prisons in Dayton that are um, they're Plain State Jail and Henley, and we have some fantastic team leaders there. But a lot of our volunteers from Houston and Baytown um, retired from Storybook after COVID. And mm -hmm. so we're looking to build new volunteer teams, and we're looking for team leadership. Um, we are also looking for folks to help um, with the mailing. It takes time just to stand at the post office, or we do the letter writing every month, and that is a remote job. Um, if we've got any young people listening or, or anyone with um, talents in marketing, we're, we're because we are uh, a small staff, we'd love to have volunteers who, who are great at marketing and social media. And those are our current needs, especially in Houston. Um, but just spreading the word, helping people know that um, these moms are coming home and we want to help these families be successful and help children recognize that reading is important and literacy is important and the connection you make with people through books is paramount to your success. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, do people just go to uh, the website on the, uh, on the volunteer information, just go to storybookproject.org. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And, and there's, there's a video on the front page that shows um, some mothers that we work with. And then there's a page, there's a page that says that volunteer and there's a short application there. Okay. So yeah, go to uh, women's storybook project.org and that's women's storybook project.org. And then you can uh, also find out more information on their uh, sixth annual fundraising luncheon that will be happening on uh, Thursday, April 28th and online on Friday, April 29th. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. On, um, online on Thursday, May 5th. Oh, Thursday, May 5th. Okay. My apologies. I see it had it's here. Okay. <laughs> and it, Thursday, uh, April 28th. So Thursday, May 5th uh, is the online one and the in-person is uh the in person is um in person is april 28th at uh, noon and then that following thursday the 5th may 5th mm -hmm. is the online one okay we got it we we got it down but log on to womensstorybookproject.org right. for all of the information jill thank you so much for your time uh once again we really really appreciate it any last words for the audience keep reading to your children and um, enjoy books and have fun with them. It's so important. And if you can, take a look at womenstorybookproject.org and we'd love to have you join us. Jill Gonzalez, the Executive Director of Women's Storybook Project. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And to everyone listening to the podcast, we'll be right back after this. <laughs> 